Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hi, and welcome to episode 133 of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. I'm Sean Wisniewski of The Corner Workshop. I'm here with my co-host, Diami Plotke of The Penultimate Woodshop, and tonight we're talking to Kyle Martin. You may know him from such things as Trolley Rides in Covington, Kentucky, or his blog at shortbuswoodworking.com. How are you doing, guys? <laughs> Sorry, I had forgotten about the trolley. And funny enough, as I looked up, Kyle's, well, Kyle, you're here, right? Hello. Kyle. Kyle. Here, is that it? There you go. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, you're good. I was just making fun of you. Um, <laughs> I, I know, I know. I was responding to that, but... Uh, anyway. No, oh yeah, we couldn't hear you. Um, it, funny enough, as I, as I looked and put the link in the show notes of, from, his, from his blog, um, there is a picture of the trolley right yes. on top. It's this, it, it is the reason I think it's called Short Bus, if I'm not... Uh, I'm pretty sure uh, I'm pretty sure you've updated your blog since I've updated mine. <laughs> Good, we're in the same boat. Perfect. So I'd mock you both, but I'm about three weeks behind right now. Yeah, it's fine. We're worse than that. How I is know. everyone doing? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah. Good. You uh, you travel home okay, Kyle? Oh yeah, I, uh, but. I will still say Boston Logan's one of the worst airports in the country. Oh, so, I mean, uh, from the time that uh, I dropped my rental car off to I got to the terminal was forty five minutes. Mm. Yeah, but is yeah. there transit or? Yeah, or? there's a little there's a little shuttle bus that runs around. Took forever to get to me to my terminal. But there's no other airport in the country that you can get to via the Ted Williams Tunnel. This is true. So, um, for for those frequent listeners, may recognize Kyle from having appeared on episode uh, something and something something a long time ago when we were talking about your shop having blown away in a storm. Correct. <laughs> and um, and also uh, recently from episode one thirty one, which we recorded live at Fine Woodworking Live. So um, this is our first recording back in our respective shops after the event, and. Uh, we're going to get to in a little while why we're bringing Kyle back on so frequently, so quickly. Um, not that just his smiling face and delightful Southern mannerisms aren't enough to bring him in, but uh, the dulcet actually... baritone tones yeah. of his voice. So you forgot to mention that. Well, I think it speaks for itself. Do I really oh, need to true. mention that's that? <laughs> okay, okay. I'm going to hit the mute button again. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all that said, Sean, what's going on in your shop these days? As we were discussing before, spring has gotten gotten us busy and very busy indeed, actually. But um, and uh, not in the shop. Um, I since we've last spoken, well, you guys were having fun. Literally Sunday of Finewood Working Live, I was running a marathon, and I successfully completed that. Congratulations! Race. So I'm happy with that. Tonight I'm drinking out of my celebratory glass that I get at the end of the. Glass Cities Marathon. I love the way that for you, running and drinking go hand in hand. I don't fully, <laughs> I'm not a runner, so I don't quite get it, but I, I really like that combination for you. Yeah, it's um actually, it's, so, uh, it, it's enough of a thing that my friends that I train with, uh, two of them ran the half marathon and so waited 
for us, they brought their own cooler. Despite free beer being at the event, <laughs> they brought their own. So we showed up to a table with a pyramid of beer cans on it already. <laughs> it's like running in college. It is. Yeah, sadly, I haven't uh, haven't gotten to do anything. I haven't even. I've talked to my dad. I um I I need to share with him my my festival sander. I told him all about it, and I haven't even got a chance well, to go up to his. Let house. me ask you: Have you have you had much chance to use it yet? I don't think. I, you, I think you just believe. like oogled it on the kitchen t- counter last time I talked. No, yeah, I did actually bring it down. I plugged it in. I haven't hooked it up to any dust collection or vacuum whatsoever. But I did. I just took it uh, against a, a piece of walnut I had off to the side just to see what it would do and how it would act. And I'm just really uh, super happy with the low vibration and truly low noise. And I'm, I, I'm not experienced with other Festool sanders, and I don't know if that's really par for the course. My dough is hooked up to a shop vac, so I really well, could, so you can't I have no anything. idea if it's quiet or not. It is <laughs> remarkably quiet. I mean, I, I, I would guess, I mean, I would ask you, just, just turn it on once and see, like, and then turn on another, like I have my old Bosch, but in, in talking with my dad about the, the two sanders, he goes, how old is that Bosch? I said, well, geez, you know, it's gotta be, it's gotta be a decade old now. He goes, yeah, the bearings are probably shit in it anyway. So it's, it's probably in need of more, more help than, than, than it is a fair comparison between the two, because I'm used to that thing that, I mean, rattles my hand and, and, and is just downright loud. I mean, I can hear it over a shot back. So wow. it's, uh. I'm, I'm happy, but I, I literally only used it for a minute or two, just kind of running running it through a couple of grits, just trying to smooth off and see what kind of finish or swirls or anything I could get and how it felt. But uh haven't really gotten a chance to put it through the paces. Soon, though, I will. But I, I do, I, I want to take it to my dad, because he's got a whole bevy of, of sanders up there and kind of run it run it through. But I also told him that he'll never find this one again and and it, they're all more expensive than this anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> it's it's almost not fair, but um yeah, but that's about it. Well, how about you guys? How about you specifically, Diami? After in, the thing that's in my six, shop is absolutely silent, which beats your quiet sander because it sits there in just quiet, subtle respect. And uh what's what's new in the shop is mm-hmm. my first place hardwood derby trophy. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, but you did a good job of it. Um, <laughs> it's the cheesiest trophy I've ever seen. Um, it looked, they looked really like, I mean, yeah, cheesy is a good one. But <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's fantastic, so what the hell. <laughs> yeah, did you, did you see my comment on their trophy? When they posted it on Instagram, I go, so the base is solid ebony, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, no. uh, it's, 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 I believe it's plastic that has been ebonized. Okay, ebonized. nice. Nice, and and I'm guessing the whole tr- every bit of the trophy is a, a certain amount amount of plastic. Ah, there's a screw in it. That's Same for the screw, yeah. <laughs> there's there's like a galvanized screw on the back end of it. Oh, Probably it's not, not galvanized. Even. It's not even. <laughs> this is. But, but Sean, that's one thing you didn't miss. He was totally insufferable during the entire trip. I bet. <laughs> was he carrying it around to like the bars? No, I he wore it on his head. <laughs> This is a major award. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So would you get it? No, in, in all honesty, you won for the most unique design? I won the fastest damn car. Did you? I won the race, my friend. Yes. Okay. No, I, I heard that you lost to Pekovic. Okay. Let me. <laughs> there <laughs> were. There were... I know very little, very few okay. details. I mean. That was in the unlimited class. Yeah. Let, let, for, oh, okay. uh, for those who weren't at Fine Wood Working Life, um, they ran. On the Friday night, the opening night of the conference, they ran as a charity event the Hardwood Derby, where attendees were invited to build 
uh, essentially Pinewood Derby cars to Pinewood Derby size specifications utilizing any wood of their choice. And the only real rule, well, the two rules were you have to follow the size restrictions of the Pinewood Derby. And then the other rule was you can't add weight. So it's use any kind of any kind of hardwood you want, hence the term hardwood derby, um, but no added weight. Because in real Pinewood Derby racing, you add tons of weight and you're balancing and things like that. And I didn't want that. So um, there were... Kyle, do you know the exact number? I want to say there were like 18 or 20 entries. There were... Not yeah, that's enough. probably close. Yeah. yeah. They ran three heats in each heat. Oh, maybe there were less than that. Maybe there were four heats. Four heats in each heat. Uh, was like I'm trying to think cars. how many. Well, the track was full like every time. So I, okay. I'm trying to remember how many slots were in the track. Like I think it was a four-car four, four car track. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Um, so, so, and yeah. what they would do is as any proper Pinewood Derby runs, each car races the same amount of times. So, on a given heat, they'd have four cars. It's a four-lane track. Each car runs one race in each of the four positions. In case there's a, this is, you know, on these little tracks, it's not really possible. But theoretically, if one of the lanes were the fastest, they each have equal opportunity to use that given lane. Right. Um. So now, there, were there more spectators than entrants by a long shot? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And were they it was all? Crowded. Did they all get to donate to see that, or was was that open to anyone and only the people that were participating had to uh, donate it to the scout troop that uh, that helped um, out? Technically, you could have stood there as a spectator and not donated, but mm-hmm. um, Matt Kenny did a great job of rounding people in and guilting them into donating, and <coughs> I mean that in the best possible way because it was a very no, good, no, good and charity. It's, um, it's good and, for the charity. Yeah, yeah. That's what I, was I I would hope that most people who were standing around did put money in. I mean, I know we all did. Good. And if memory serves me right, there were like over $500 in donations. Yeah, I believe that was right. Yeah. Excellent. Um, Anyway. So so anyway, so they they broke the cars up into heats, and um, we ended up in a heat, I think because we all were kind of there kind of early. Um, We ended up as a heat basically among all our friends. So, Kyle, you were in my heat, right? Yeah, I so, was number two. It was so. you, me, yeah. um, Wilbur. Wilbur. Was it just three of us, or was there a fourth one in our heat? I think there was somebody we didn't know okay. in there. But yeah, Apparently, there were people at the three, conference yeah. who we didn't know. Um. <laughs> so, and I don't know if I've seen all the pictures yet, but... Um, there was so, one real okay. beautiful car that oh. someone, like a 1950s Jaguar, what it is was it? gorgeous. XKE 120, oh. or well, I forgot what the thing is, but yeah. out of a solid block of rosewood. I think <sighs> it... Diami could have uh, had modified his axles and wheels. He probably would have won because that car was heavy. Mm, it was, was it? very heavy. I was, I, for, quite yeah. frankly, I was far from the heaviest car. Um, wow, that's amazing. But like, yeah. so specifically, you guys, you Diami, you had your your infused timber stand. I had yes, Kyla, I had my, you had your your butcher cut, block cutting board cut off. off cut. Yeah. And and did Wilbur have a Japanese plane? He did. Made that's of solid awesome. oak. Especially, Hello it Kitty was, plane. It was the, the Hello Kitty. He kept man. referring to it as the the oak you make a Japanese plane out of, and I am not sophisticated enough to tell you what type of oak that is. But it wasn't run of the mill oak. It was oak for a Japanese plane. Okay, I think it's Japanese white oak. I think that's what they call it, but it's grown in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, in, in any event, to explain the race, um, each heat generates a winner. At mm-hmm. the end of all of the various heats, the winners are all put together. They race. The winner of that 
uh, of that series of races, because that's again heats, because you're doing one on each track. Um, the winner of that was the winner of, let's say, the attendees. Um, okay. And I won winner of the attendees, um, never having lost a race. Um, the car was just, it was clearly the No matter the lane, the no matter anything. Exactly. Exactly. Nice. Um, well tuned. Then they took the staff um, cars. And this was the guys we know, Pekovich, um, Tom, Matt, um, Ben, all the, all the, you know, the, the staff members who are also woodworkers, but it was mm-hmm. also a lot of the, uh, a lot of the staff members who aren't work woodworkers. Like anyone who's ever really interacted with them would know Betsy Angle. She's a, I don't know exactly what her position is, but she does a lot of communication with people who are contacting the magazine. Um, she had yeah. a car, lots of different people had cars and some of them were essentially squares with words written on them. <laughs> Some of them were really intense, um, but I will. I don't mean this as sour grapes, but not a single one of them followed their rules of not adding weight. Really? Yeah. So were they adding weight with wood, or were they adding lead weights? Like oh, they were adding weight? metal weights uh, because oh. you were allowed to add weight with wood, but you were not allowed to add metal weights. So um, right. I'll, I'll I'll single out uh, Matt Kenny because I thought his addition of weight was both. The uh, the most blatantly cheating and yet also the most ingenious is that his car looked like one of his little tiny boxes, <laughs> but it was really a bandsaw box. And oh. on the inside, he filled the entire thing with strips of brad nails. Oh, my gosh. And then glued it back up so it, it didn't look like it had a, it was hollow. It looked like it was solid. Um. The problem with Matt was twofold, is that he did nothing to align the wheels or to address the axles. Um, but also, apparently, his weight, the nails were not quite as long as the car was wide. So the nails mm-hmm. were pushed to one side, and the rest of it was filled with paper so they wouldn't rattle, which meant that oh. the weight was really off-center. Mm-hmm. And his car did not perform particularly well. But that, that was, um, having talked to many of them during and after the race, that was... Uh, was typical of the way the magazine um, staff's uh, cars were made. So um, Pekovic won the staff's races, and his car was really cool. It was a it was a board that had dovetails cut on the front and back of it, and on top of the board was a like it looked like a Stanley Sweetheart chisel, but it was made entirely of wood and it was painted. Mm. Um, it was really neat. So his uh, he narrowly beat me out. Um, they were fairly competitive, but he clearly won the race between, uh, between himself and I, but mm. that was more the, the race for the greater glory. Cause the actual, technically the, the Derby was only open to attendees, not, Entrant, attendees. not to magazine staff who were cheating. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I think Mike admitted to having like 10 pounds of lead. <laughs> he had, in the he had quite a chisel. bit of weight. Yeah. The, the chisel handle <laughs> was filled with metal. So he had, he had quite a bit of weight in the car and Considering, I think my car did very well in coming in very close to his, um, since mine was nothing but wooden plastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, impressive. I'll tell you, I was I'm not because I was as surprised as, as anyone because I did know the work I put into the car, but I was. It was much more bravado than actual expectation, leading up <laughs> to the event. Um, but it was uh, it was quite pleasing to win. There you go, and and your your years of scout tutelage 
in preparing those derby cars, I think paid off in your absolutely in your the fact that I just went to my scout my Pyman Derby toolbox and pulled out axles and wheels that I'd already prepared and just put them in the car. Yeah, uh, turned out to be very convenient. Yeah, I picked up his Pinewood Derby toolbox. I think the thing weighs about thirty five pounds. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, it's got everything I need in there to build cars every year and then to run our race at at the pack that I'm involved in. Um, and I don't know. I've done like eight or ten of them by now. Like you, you just pick tools up as they go. <laughs> uh, so in any event, really just deciding on where I'm going to put the trophy is what's going on in my shop because I haven't had done any woodworking since I got back. But um, Kyle, what's going on in your shop? Not much. Well, once I got back from um, uh, Fine Woodworking Live and burned my derby car ceremoniously and <laughs> ceremoniously. Uh, yeah, I really haven't spent much time. I'm still working on uh, one of my staked chairs um, from the Anarchist Design book. Um, those things are fantastic. But I haven't had a lot of time in the shop since I got back. Maybe, wow, grand total of about maybe an hour. Um, right here, down here near uh, Galveston, we get about two weeks a year where we have what we call California weather, and it's that time of year. So we've been outside most of the time and running and you know doing things. So not a lot of shop time for me. Yeah, take advantage of it when it's not oppressive. That's exactly a exactly, good plan. Exactly. But uh, hopefully this weekend I'll get back to the swing of things. I almost got the chair finished. I just need to um, saddle the seat and um, do the um, crest rail and I uh, can scratch another one off. And I got one more to go before I get a set. Of course, they're all slightly different. <laughs> I, say, I, I don't know if really a set, but they um, look similar. I, th- I thought they were each prototypes leading up to a final chair design. You're gonna, you're just using them as the chairs. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. Each time, I think I'm almost there. I got. Um, we'll see how this one w- works out. I actually using a little bit different material on on this chair than the other chair, but the design's pretty much the same. So um, we'll see how it comes out, and then hopefully that'll be the final iteration. Are they a, they're a dining set? Is that what, what they're going to be used yeah, for? Yeah, yeah. I have a little breakfast table um, that I built, and I'm building these chairs for, for it. So um, I have four chairs. And the only thing is um, I built the breakfast table a number of years ago, and it's kind of a shaker design type table. Okay. So it's really not going to match the chair, so I'm going to have to build another table. <laughs> the curses of being a woodworker. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that – Absolutely, you're a woodworker. You should build a new table. And when you're done with that table, yep. you should still build a new table and just make exactly. a table after that. But at the same yeah. token, if they're all things that you made, they match. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> the furniture that I intend to put in my house is what I feel like building. They don't need to match. They're just what I want. I know. You could definitely walk through my house and see my evolution of what I was into at a certain amount of time. I entire living rooms like all green and green and now my uh uh breakfast nook area which goes up against the uh the uh living room is going to be more of the staked furniture kind of more modern type design so um <laughs> definitely nothing matches around here well having seen the beautiful green and green pieces you've made i i'll absolutely agree that the staked furniture is quite a departure from them but the state's furniture is modern? 
Well, it, lo- it has a modern look to it. Yeah, it's, okay. it has a contemporary look to it. It doesn't look like a Windsor chair. Or no, okay, I'll, g- I'll give yeah, you that. Yeah, it has more a little bit modern lines. Um, and well, that, that was one thing I picked up at Finewood Working Live was I attended the um, talk on modern furniture, and they made the point that a lot of that was influenced by uh, Shaker design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in fact, uh, in fact, uh, I believe uh, the gentleman said that uh, they had a chair over there in, um, I guess, Sweden or wherever, and they were looking at it and really were impressed with it. When they found out it was American Shaker, they all came over here and visited the Shaker communities and started, you know, uh, taking measurements from their furniture and stuff of that nature. So there's some influence there. And that's the that's the Danish modern stuff you're talking about, like the mid-century yeah. modern. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was all derived from uh, from Shaker. Right. Yeah, but I don't know if it's, I, w- I wouldn't say it's all derived, but it's definitely a key influence. Right, right. Yeah. So, so, but, um, so that's about what's going on in my shop. But hopefully, uh, by the end of this weekend, I'll have another chair done and then we can start on the final one. And then after that, I think I'm going to go back to making a Windsor chair. <laughs> going back to, as in, you've got one in progress? I'm sitting on one right now. <laughs> we- does it have a back? Yes. yes. Oh, okay. So you've finished that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I finished okay. this number number of years ago, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Excellent. Now, yeah. What do you put on the staked chairs? In my head, they're always like just like a blonde colored wood, like ash or something. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you finish them with? Uh, I'm usually paint them. Uh, these oh, okay. are, yeah, these are all painted black, and then I've, been experimenting with different uh, top coats, uh, all milk paint. I think this next one I'm going to do, um, I'm probably going to use uh, General Finishes milk paint, which is actually an acrylic. I'm going to spray that and see how that turns out. Okay. Um, j- just just for a change, just experimenting. Yeah. I, I did that before. I have a, um, uh, when I did a, well, it's actually a, uh, Nakashima couch. I actually built a little settee before I built the couch out of pine, and I ended up painting that with the general finishes paint and spraying it, and it came out really nice. What do you put as a finish over it? Um, I've done a number of things. <laughs> uh, the first thing I've done is your standard armor, armor seal. Okay. The last chair I did is I did a um, German finish called Osmo, O-S-M-O. Poly X and it's sold as a um, oil wax blend and it's like a two coat finish. You know, you're only supposed to put two coats on it and you're done. And I got their matte finish and um, I saw a lot of chair makers, especially over in Europe, using this. And you can get it off Amazon. And uh, Peter Galbert here, uh, who's a Windsor chair maker, uh, mm-hmm. has been using it. So I got their matte finish and used it, and it did come out matte. It said satin slash matte, but it was more of a matte finish. And um, correspond a little bit with Peter, and he said, yeah, right now he's using the uh, matte finish as a first coat and their gloss as a top coat. So I'm going to try that on this next piece. But I think we had talked about that uh, when we were at the event. And yeah. That seems – I've never heard of doing matte within gloss over it. It was always gloss with matte Plus, over it. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, that's what he said he's he's been using and based on, you know, some of his pictures and stuff, it sure does look nice. So I'm gonna try that out. The, I mean the matte one is it's matte. If you like uh, a 
black matte chair. This is the chair for you. Um, <laughs> it was just a little too matte for me. So um, I'm going to do this other thing, and I'll probably refinish this matte chair and put a put some gloss over it. But before I do that, I'm going to get all these chairs lined up and get a picture of them so I can kind of highlight the stages and what's different in each absolutely, one. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Which I I happen to have uh, my uh, my trusty Amazon app open. Which Osmo was it? It's Osmo Poly X. Okay. Yeah. Hard wax oil. Yep. Yep. And it's about uh, I don't know somewhere around forty forty to fifty dollars somewhere in there for a for a good amount of it. Um, I think it's yeah. Uh, uh, right here it's it's yeah. uh, three quarters of a liter for forty. Three qu- Yeah, I know it's metric. Yeah, I couldn't remember what it was. Yeah, three quarters of a liter. Yeah, because I got one when I first got in there. They got oh, it's only sixteen dollars, but no, that's a little sample size. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. What kind yeah, of, but apparently a, it's very popular in 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 Europe, all over Europe. Uh, they do hardwood floors with it, the whole nine yards. Oh wow! So it's durable as mm-hmm. well as what? What kind of um? I guess the word is luster. Or do you get when you? And I haven't seen Peter's any mm-hmm. photos that I've known. But when you do a a mat with that gloss on top, does that mat take away some of the gloss? Do you get a less glossy? Yeah, it looked, when it's all said and done, like it eats, it kind of sinks down in a little bit. Yeah, it look, looked like it made it kind of a semi-gloss. Um, okay, you know when I was looking at at you know the photos on Instagram, um, you know Peter does a good job on on photography. I think that's one of his hobbies. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, the pictures look fantastic. So I'm hoping when I do it, um, it looks the same way. Uh, but you know, then again, it could be operator error. <laughs> on my part, if it doesn't. <laughs> All right. But the finishes is super easy to put on. I mean, you just, um, they recommend putting it on with like one of those um, white Scotch Sprite pads, mm-hmm. the real, really fine ones. Mm-hmm. And you just put it on with that, let it set for about 10 minutes and wipe up that, wipe up the excess. And then do it one more time after it dries for a day, you're done. What if you put more on? I did. I did on this on this one. I did, and it didn't seem to have any effect on it. I was curious too, so I put like uh, four coats on the bottom of the chair, and it looked the same as the top. <laughs> and so far, it's 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 aging well. When you're you're using yeah. the chair, right? Yeah, it's aging well. Um, you know, um, I got one I've done in Armor Seal, and uh, you can definitely tell on the seat the Armor Seal is starting to come off a little bit it's you know it was a um uh, uh satin finish and now it's more of a matte finish <laughs> but um yeah we'll have to just see how how it holds up i'm interested when i do the semi-gloss over the mat how that holds up from constant use excellent that's uh, I'm, I'm interested to see that um yeah that should be good now all right so we've we've gone through what we're all working on and we've talked about some of it, um, but let's uh, let's let's wrap up talking about uh, fine woodworking live, which I think was the dominant event of the last couple weeks um, in terms of woodworking. So, um, Kyle, what thoughts on it? Um, anything of interest you want to mention? Um, I thought it was a really good conference. I enjoyed it. Um, 
you know, my only basis of comparison is against WIA. Now I know right. y'all have been to the wood conference too. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I thought it was a little bit more, you know, I think what was the maximum attendees? 250, something like yeah, that. It was, and they it had was no, small. yeah, they had no open marketplace. So it was a lot smaller and, you know, you know, there were, there was, you know, kind of our group of guys and we kind of hung out together and we met some new friends also there, which is always great and, uh, and fantastic. But, um, uh, it just wouldn't, you know, I was expecting WIA and it just wasn't that big, but the quality of the classes, lectures was excellent. Um, of course they fed us, which was new, um, <laughs> So that actually kept down the cost a little bit. Yeah, uh, for, that helps. For I don't. The cost was, I think it was four to five hundred dollars, depending on how early you got in. Yeah. Um, which for a Friday night to Saturday or to Sunday afternoon conference is not cheap. But we were talking about this at the show. Is that they fed you every meal? Yeah. Um, and you haven't got a goodie bag. I mean, wait, yeah. breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, yeah. That's not bad. I'm trying to think. We. For those- we got there. They had the heavy hors d'oeuvres and a free beer, and then yeah, the next day was breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Then and then the next day was, and then Sunday breakfast. was breakfast and like a snack for lunch. Snack. Yeah. Um. But for those of us who were staying at the hotel attached to the conference center, like we didn't leave the building the entire mm-hmm. time. Um, we arrived a little early on Friday, so we hooked up with uh, Wilbur and I hooked up with Chuck Kloss, and we went out to this. Um, this German bed and breakfast and had a really nice German lunch because um, that's what you'd find in the middle of Massachusetts apparently. <laughs> German, sure. <laughs> um, and then, but then we went back and so once we got back to the conference at, you know, two o'clock on Friday, we didn't leave the hotel until it was time to go home. Um, oh, and that's for that, rare for you. What's that? That's rare for you. I mean, and not that we've well, never been able to like stay directly on, but it's always been a topic of how easy is it to find things to do in the evening, you know, for these conferences. Right, right. And I will say, though, that this one worked like um, WIA at, in Kansas City was kind of similar in that you were in the one building the whole time. Yeah. But it was it wasn't the same. And because WIA in in wasn't including the food and that the the hotel uh, there yeah. had a terrible expensive breakfast um so you ended up wandering out trying to find food and nothing was close um like this hotel you couldn't really walk to anything from this hotel either but the fact that all the food was included meant you had much less reason to try to leave mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and I, I don't know tell me if i'm wrong kyle but i thought of having been to many WIAs, and I've actually been to every Fine Woodworking Live, I thought this was absolutely the best venue for Fine Woodworking Live, and arguably the best venue between any of them. Hmm. Yeah, I would say arguably, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, Miss Cincinnati a little bit with WIA just because we know the town so well at this point in yeah. time, but um, but no, I thought the I thought the venue was good, and like I said, the the Classes and lectures were, were very educational, um, very similar to WIA in some respects to that. Um, but um, once again, very good. Um, the marketplace was, of course, a lot smaller, a lot more tailored to their attendees. 
Um, the attendees were a little bit different. I, you know, this is weird talking about this in woodworking, but I thought the attendees at WIA tended to skew a little younger than they did at I think you're the, right. Fun Woodworking Live, and a little bit more diverse at WIA than Fun Woodworking Live. Now, how do you know, I mean? It, and I hate drawing comparisons between the different conferences, but as far as demographic goes, have, and I was at Wood with you, mm-hmm. and I've been at WIA, and I, I know what you're talking about, Kyle. But how mm-hmm. does how did the Fun Woodworking if you're show talking to wood? like Wood was an older demographic? Mm-hmm. An amazingly male demographic. I mean, everything. We're, this is all relative. Every conference mm-hmm. we're talking about, unfortunately, woodworking is a male-dominated sp- sport. Uh, I think it should be equal, but sport. it is yes. what it is. <laughs> it's a sport. Yes, um, it's a sport. And you know, I think of of the, having been to the conferences put on by all three magazines. Um, Wood was the one that was the oldest, and the malest, and the whitest. Um, WIA is the youngest, the uh, the most mix of male and female, and the most culturally diverse. But that being said, they're all still predominantly old white men. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, those are all yes. relative things. And Finally Working Live kind of fell in between them. Um, I would say that most of the people at Finally Working Live struck me as stereotypical New Englanders. <laughs> Um, more than necessarily stereotypical woodworkers. Uh, but either way, you're talking about old white men. <laughs> um, yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. And But, you know, there were some fantastic work there on display and, and things of that nature. But, yeah, it was, it was predominantly old white men. And predominantly people that pri- their primary source of woodworking news was fine woodworking. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would agree with okay. that. Okay. Yeah. Was there um was there a showcase of any sort there? Of, uh, like the marketplace or you no about no of, like of, of of work pieces. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. something they they they're the only magazine that I know of that has that like the readers your, gallery, the Vic Hubbard gallery. Yeah, the gallery. Yeah. There's, there's a gallery every every edition. So, um, anything like that where they invited people to bring in their stuff? There wasn't, show? but that you know mm. what? Quite frankly, they seemed. I don't want to say they were open to everything, but they seemed genuinely interested in understanding what worked and what didn't work. And mm-hmm. I would say that that's definitely something to suggest for next time. Though that being said, the logistics of moving finished furniture pieces. Yes, I can totally be understand. quite daunting. So you might yes. end up with a bunch of tchotchkes because people didn't want to bring their high boy. Right, right. And then it's, it's all, I mean, location and availability and delivery and all that jazz does that. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know, somebody who like Matt Morris that mm-hmm. I saw at WA and he traveled from California with all of his stuff and it's bringing his chairs and his, his furniture. And I mean, I've seen pieces in the marketplaces of WIA before um, and those are it's different. That's not exactly users bringing in their stuff, but I I, I understand that the complexity that that brings in is just right, right. Just but even because to, they 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 tend to in the magazine they they like to highlight their readers. Absolutely, works. absolutely. But mm-hmm. I think it's easier to, especially the readers gallery. While in the magazine, one of the things that Fine Woodworking does differently than other magazines is Fine Woodworking has their editors take the photos. They don't have user taken photos. Mm. So you have a piece in fine woodworking, an article, the editor comes out to your shop and takes a bunch of photos. Um, mm-hmm. However, 
I could be wrong on this, but I am pretty confident the reader's gallery are reader-submitted photos, um, which it's a lot easier to take reader-submitted photos and build a gallery than to have readers go. And like to even use Matthew Morris as an example, he was at Fine Woodworking Live. Uh, we had a nice time hanging out with him. I got I got him to go through the five questions, and I'm actually mm-hmm. – I have a brief cameo at the end of his uh, Fine Woodworking Live wrap-up video. Oh, um, excellent which we will have links to in the show notes in about four years when I post the show notes. <laughs> um, but he didn't bring his, uh, I think it's the Blacker House rocker he has. It's a, it's a green mm-hmm. and green rocker. He brought um, this tiny little table that was like, it fit on the bench uh, because of the logistics of bringing it. Because he was sure. you know, renting a car and driving back to Logan and doing all the fun stuff that Kyle had to do. Blech. Yeah. Um, but what I want to talk about for a second is in terms of the classes, I think that the the quality of the classes, I'll agree with Kyle, was on par with with the classes I've been to anywhere else. Uh, certainly as mm-hmm. good as any of the best classes. Um, the accessibility and the openness of the instructors was was wonderful. And it was the same as I've encountered at every conference. I've not been to a conference where the instructors weren't welcoming and open and wanted to share things with you. So that was what I was expecting, but still wonderful. Um, the one thing that Fine Woodworking Live does that is fundamentally different than uh, Woodworking in America is that every morning, and this has been true of all three times they've done Fine Woodworking Live, even when they did it in 13 and 14 or 12 and 13, whenever the earlier two were. I was um, going to ask you about that, yeah. Yeah, is they it's they they modify it slightly each time, but they essentially have keynote addresses in the morning. So um, on Saturday morning, each both mornings, Saturday and Sunday, um, they bring all of the attendees into a single conference room, or it's like a lecture hall, really is what it is, um, and give a presentation. So both days, it started with Tom McKenna, the editor, you know, welcoming everyone and just introducing things. And then they went into what was essentially a keynote speaker giving a little presentation to everyone. Um, so the first day on Saturday, it was Mike Pekovich giving a really good class on how to photograph your work. No, that, that um, was Friday night. That was Friday night? Was it really? Yeah, that was before the uh, Hardwood Derby. Wow. All these things bl- yep. blend together. Okay, so that was Friday night. <laughs> yeah. I apologize. So that was Friday night at, right. the, at the opening. Yeah. But that um, was that was fantastic. It really was. And kind of bringing that up when you thought about when you mentioned the the user submitted photos in their gallery. But yeah, that he was telling you exactly how you need to photograph your work. Have you read he? It was based on an article he wrote years ago yep. in the magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember seeing the article. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great article. But to see him talk about it in person and kind of update things was fantastic. All right, so then that was Friday night. But it was again, it was an all attendee. Um, I guess that was like the welcoming event. Yeah. Um, and then, then who spoke on Saturday morning? Don't make me look up the itinerary. <laughs> on su- was it Vic? Vic was on Sunday. No, no, that was no. yeah. You're right. How could we forget that was Vic on Saturday morning? It was Vic. On, then who was on Sunday? Um, what's his name with the card furniture? Um, Alan Breed. Yes. You're right. Uh, yeah, Alan Breed, yes. You're right. Yeah. Sunday morning. Yeah. So so Vic uh, Teslin, our friend of the show, Vic Teslin, um, gave a, a lecture on his minimalist woodworking ideas. And 
then uh, Al Breed gave the the closing keynote essentially on the on the last day. And and then you had you had an evening Saturday night. Yeah, we had an evening with uh, with Hank, Hank Gilbert. Gilbert. Yeah, yeah, they they had a banquet yeah, Saturday the, night. That was at the dinner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but and there Where was they a gave banquet. Away, uh, uh, Diami's bandsaw. <laughs> they uh, they have a banquet at Woodworking America, so that's not just having the banquet isn't necessarily a difference, but having those morning introductory keynotes that everyone attends and then goes off to different classes. Yeah, that's, that's a, a neat different look. feel, and that's something that they've done at every single event. Um, so. That seems to be the the way they're doing it, and quite frankly, I I think it works. Um, now, how long how long were they? What was the last two years they didn't have an event? Or would, did they take a year off? Or a no, couple they took years a couple off? years off. I the okay. I was just I, I was just going through photos for something, and I saw that there was one in twenty fourteen. So I don't know if it was thirteen and fourteen or fourteen and fifteen. I think it was thirteen yeah. and fourteen. Um, so yeah. it's been a few years since the last one, and the last two, the the first two were in August, both of them. Um, and I, at least personally, I found the um, the April time frame to be much better. Mm-hmm. Weather or scheduling or... Scheduling. Uh, and scheduling. this is just me being selfish, but the first week in August, I go away every year. So ah. the first time I was there for the first day and a half and then I had to go home. And the second time I was there for the second day and a half and got arrived late because both times it, it was like the opening weekend or the closing weekend of my vacation. And... I, you know, fine woodworking should understand when I go on vacation. It's the same week every year. It's the first full week in August. So plan your events some other time. It's not rocket science. Please consider my schedule accordingly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yes. Um, but yeah, if they if they want to continue these events, I think this was uh, this was a great launching pad for them to, you know, revive it, them and and make them better. Exactly. Bigger and better and each year. Coming. Not that weekend with wood isn't a good event cuz having having gone last year, I don't I don't want to speak for you, Sean, but I had a very nice time. I thought it was a very good event. It was a very mm-hmm. different event, but very good. It was very good. Absolutely. Um, I, um, and now, you've been to, like you've mentioned before, every fine woodworking live, um, and they did They did take a break. How did – are you noticing a progression? Are they, are they adapting to what maybe didn't work in the past? I think so, yes. And uh, I'll address that in a second, but I just want to get back okay. to wood for a second because Weekend with Wood is coming up in the next few weeks. It's the same weekend as Handworks. Mm-hmm. Um, and to address the time frame, every indication is that there will be a fine woodworking live of 2018. And at least based on what the magazine has stated, while there is no woodworking in America 2017, there will be one in 2018. So woodworking in America has always been in late September, early October. Yes. Yep. So... I find Woodworking Live, Weekend with Wood, they were a month apart, maybe three weeks, five weeks, somewhere in that time frame. I personally, I think that they're both really dominated by their own readers. Just as Fine Woodworking Live was predominantly people who get their woodworking news from Fine Woodworking, I think Weekend with Wood was the same thing for Wood Magazine. Um, So I don't think there's much competition there. But... Mm. I see Fine Woodworking Live, and while there were, there was a maybe there was a half dozen vendors, eight vendors, Kyle, something like that, something like that. Yeah. Um, 
they were all vendors who either do or would want to display at um, WIA also. So I think that in terms of competition between the conferences, I think there's probably more competition between WIA and Fine Woodworking Live than there is between either of them and Weekend with Wood. I think Weekend with Wood is kind of off to itself. Um, so given that competition, I think, forgetting my own schedule, it's a good thing for Fine Woodworking Live to be in the spring because then it's six months apart between the two conferences. So it's easier. I don't think most people would go to both, but it's easier for people to go to both. It's not as though one is two weeks after the other and you really have to make the decision. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes it much, much more difficult to, to accommodate if you were interested in going to both, which you know, I guess we'd all love to. I think everyone should. I mean, fine with working lives in New England, so everyone can just drive there. It's easy. Uh, right? <laughs> I, was hope, I was hoping, you know, I made the suggestion for them to move it to, to Texas next time. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I'll tell you this, Kyle, and I've told this to many people, but you were certainly <laughs> among among my, my woodworking friends, is next year, fly into Kennedy, and I'll give you a drive. I'll give you a ride. <laughs> I And it has to be said to, to those attendees that don't drive in, See, Diami and I have the advantage on, on a couple different shows, depending on the location. You know, I can drive to Cincinnati in three and a half hours. You mm-hmm. can drive to central Massachusetts in about the same time. Yeah. If, right? But Kyle, no matter what, coming from Galveston, Texas, is... Yeah. Traveling I mean, leaps and me... bounds. Yeah, I mean, you're talking yeah. about how many hours of travel. It, you got to take a plane. I mean... Yeah, I mean, hell, if I was going to Dallas, I'd take a plane. But um. <laughs> tell me, tell me if I'm wrong, Kyle. The difference is, and this is perhaps, perhaps the biggest mm-hmm. problem with uh, with fine woodworking live is that once you reach a certain threshold, you're flying, and mm-hmm. to some degree, once you're flying, it doesn't matter. Um, right. Flying to Cincinnati, flying to Des Moines. It didn't really matter. I'm still – I'm driving to an airport. I'm getting on a plane and I'm landing basically where – at my destination and I can either right. hook up with a friend or grab a cab or grab a, sh- a shuttle bus and get from the airport to where I'm going. Yeah. The pr- that, the- that, was the, that was the only thing that I had a, had an issue with the location, just where it was. It was not convenient for any like your typical shuttle bus from the airport or something of that nature or taxi. Yeah. Well, now, f- you basically lo- had to – he basically had to to rent a car to get there. From Logan, or, it was forgetting yeah. the distance between the rental car terminal yeah. and the actual airport. Yeah, how long did it take you to drive from um, from the event to the airport in Boston? About, about an hour and a half. About an, okay, so okay, you're yeah. not yeah, doing that not with exactly. a taxi. You have to rent a car. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I looked at doing Uber or whatever, and it was you know just as you know renting a car. I think was either exactly the same. I think it was about it was twenty thirty bucks cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't offer everyone who goes to the event a ride, but for the right. first couple people who hit me up next year and can fit in my car, I'll <laughs> gladly pick you up at, at Kennedy or LaGuardia. I'm only going to one of the airports, so coordinate it. Yeah. Um, and see, that, that that was the issue with me is I had to fly in Logan because a lot of this is built on miles and that I get on my day job. And that's with Southwest Airlines, so I got to see where Southwest well, flies. Southwest that's the one. That's the one thing I don't like about Cincinnati, even though I like like uh, WIA being there. Is Southwest does not fly to Cincinnati, so I do have to find other routes, usually Delta mm-hmm. or American, to go into we, there. We may be getting too inside baseball here, but we are getting South, way inside. Baseball. Southwest. Well, all things being equal, I think that 
the logistics of going to one of these conferences is yeah. a real thing that people who go need to deal with. Um, so I, I think true. it's worth having the discussion about that. But in terms of actual airlines and who I can pick up at the airport might be a little into the weeds. A little, little, um, yeah, a little, little bit. If you want to fly Southwest, I, I suspect you'd have to have massive layovers. But Southwest flies into Islip MacArthur, which is the small regional airport that's 15 minutes from my house. So you oh, want to, okay. you want to fly into there. I can just swing over, pick you up, and and drive you up to Massachusetts. Uh, so that might be worth looking into. Hmm. Sounds like a plan uh, for next year. Yeah. yeah. So, and that that offer is of course open to you too, Sean, because I have no hmm. idea where you, how you fly from Toledo to Islip. But if you can, I, I'll pick you up. <laughs> seeing as I live in the Midwest, I don't think that Southwest comes anywhere near me. <laughs> I well, don't know. Southwest. I live in the Northeast, and Southwest no, is the I know, biggest airport at our local. The biggest airline at our local airport. I think it goes to Detroit. It, I doubt. I do not think they come to Toledo at all. And that's a fairly decent airport, but there's no. Uh, yeah, like I think Delta operates out of it, but I don't know. I don't know. All I've right. never flown Southwest. I'd have to maybe try it sometime. They're great if you want to go from the Northeast to Florida. Okay, good to know. Uh, and they fly to Cuba. Do they really? Uh, yeah. All right. Argo was lifted. All right. So let me see. Um, we've talked about the classes. We've talked yeah. about uh, the venue. I'll sum this up quickly. It was something that uh, WIA gets right some years and not right other years, but that Fine Woodworking Live up until this year has always gotten wrong. But this year they got it absolutely right. Excuse me. In that the conference – was in a conference center that had a good mm-hmm. hotel attached to the conference center. Um, and it was, I, I'll say this about every event, the best thing about, uh, the best way to run a conference is to arrive, park your car, and not have to touch it till you, it's time to leave. Mm-hmm. And they accomplished that at the venue they were at. Um, it meant you were using the hotel bar at night, which in this case was not, not a bad choice. Um, you didn't have the options to walk to other places like you do in Cincinnati, but it, it still worked. Um, and I think there was a lot of value in that. It, what, it, what it meant with – Kyle mentioned that um, we made some new friends, and some of that was that you know, there was, there's, there's far too many of us who know each other from having gone to all these conferences for years. <laughs> um, yeah. But because you're all hanging out in the same place, even when you're hanging out with the people you know, you meet new people. Um, mm-hmm. And that was wonderful because at some things like when we went to Weekend with Wood, there were plenty of things to do in the evening at in Des Moines, but they weren't really associated with Weekend with Wood. So we had no. a nice time, but we didn't meet other woodworkers in the evening. No. Um, and here you did. You were really – you were with other woodworkers from the minute you woke up to the minute you went to bed, which at least for me is a nice thing. Yeah, and there's something to be said about that. If you're if the the large majority is staying in the same place and eating every meal together, you're you're bound to to keep running into somebody enough to drum up a conversation and and uh, and then meet them over drinks that evening, you know, to continue it. I mean, that's that's a that's a cool opportunity. I'm, I'm sad I missed it, but yeah. um, look, yeah, looking looking at the, the venue the other, when I when they originally announced it, um, it it looked like it was that kind of thing, like it almost. Did it? Did it? Was it like a kind of a college campus look to it? I mean, it just looked like a gigantic building. It was with it was a lawn a in front. Former, um, it was a former eyeglass factory. Yeah, oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, factory. that had been turned yeah. into a conference center. So there was a, if you can think of a stereotypical New England mill building, multiple stories, brick, very rectangular. 
That okay. was the hotel portion. And then attached to that was the conference center, which I suspect was built new when they renovated it and turned it into a conference center. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a very nice facility. It was not cheap. Um, yeah. I split a no, room with Wilbur, and I was still amazed at how much money I spent on the room. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, the, um, the the rooms the rooms were nice, the, but they were typical hotel rooms. Yeah. But what, what I liked is the classrooms. I mean, they were all wired for sight and sound. Yeah. So, oh, that's nice. Yeah, they, yeah. the rooms were well, like they had, you know, to bring in stuff. I mean, you know, the conference probably provided them with all the AV equipment they needed and all the rooms had screens and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah that's a, a unique uh, setup for, for somebody yeah. to move in like that. Was the was that keynote in like a big, like, theater seating auditorium? Yes. Oh, yeah. cool. So it made it, I mean, it was a, it was a good yeah. space for them. To exactly. Just, like, command this, on a stage and, right. and everyone can see kind of thing. The, cool. the venue was designed for educational conferences like this mm-hmm. one. Uh, uh, this, excellent. Yeah, it had a real college feel to it, you know, kind of a little bit upscale from that. But, you know, like the main room was like, you know, where you would take your freshman 101 English class, you know. Yeah. Where you got or 500 students in there. Yeah. So, um, but. But I don't want to say the say the you know it was that size of room, but I think the room was real nice. It had nice materials and furnishings and things of that nature, and all the seats had little uh, desks, um, you know, those fold out tray. Oh things, yeah, desk and stuff of that nature. So that was nice for taking notes or whatnot. Yeah, with, that's with the exception that of and they were comfortable to sit in. I mean, yeah, they, yeah, okay. They, I yeah. don't know if they were comfortable, but they weren't uncomfortable. Okay. Yeah. Um. And with the exception of a couple gremlins, when they first got started on Friday night, the audio-video quality was f- excellent throughout the entire show. Excellent. Did they have um, a video crew following people around, or was it volunteer-based, or how did they... It was all staff. Okay. Um, they, they, mm-hmm. they do that professionally, and some of... It was all staff, some of whom are... That's what they do for the magazine, is do video, so they were really good. Other ones just worked for the magazine and got told how to do it and did it. Um, but I think... They were very smart in terms of some of the presentations, frankly, didn't require video, and some of them required a ton of video. So they they were good about balancing the the skilled videographers were sent to the classes that really required video, whereas the staff who normally don't do video but were taught how to do it just for the show were doing the ones where it really wasn't all that necessary. So it was a it was good in the way that. Um, the videography seemed to be appropriate to its necessity. Okay. Hmm. Um, so I'm not going to even attempt to uh, give a shout out to all the people we met because it was fantastic. Um, one thing I'll mention is to uh, AJ DeSantis, New England Woodworking Studios. I know you were there. I hope you had a great time. I think I might have said two words to you or I might not have met you at all. Um, I only say that because I know you're in Attleboro and I had a discussion with somebody about having a shop in Attleboro. So I apologize if that was you and I didn't say hello specifically to you. Um, but uh, everybody who I did hang out with, it was it was a ton of fun. Um, the reason I'm going through that is because, as I mentioned before, Matthew Morris was one of the guys who was there. Um, and... He he just recently released on YouTube his video of it, and he did a really good job. He he was actually – he had a – it wasn't a booth per se, but he was in the marketplace because he sells 
um, instructional videos on the pieces he makes. Mm-hmm. And he, he during the seminars, he would just pop into a classroom and I thought he was taking stills, but apparently he was taking video too. And he'd be in the classroom for like 10, 15 minutes and then he'd leave and go to the next one. And um, I sat in a class the whole time. I didn't bounce between classes. So I was doing lots of posts from a particular class. And then I go to the next class and do posts from that class. Whereas he kind of just floated through and he managed to get little snippets of video of, I think, almost every class. Um, oh, wow, that's inc- amazing. Yeah, and he included them in the video. And each instructor is saying something that is somewhat relevant and interesting. And the fact that he was able to get it, wh- being in the class and seeing him come in and leave, I know he wasn't in any class for that long. Um, so the fact that he was able to get interesting things from all the instructors in the small window of time he was there. Uh, the video was great. So we'll have a video to the, in the show notes. But if you go to um, – it's Matthew Morris of MM Wood Studios. Um, I, off the top of my head, I'm not sure if his Facebook – excuse me, if his Facebook – if his YouTube channel is based on – is Matthew Morris or is MM Wood Studios. But uh, if you look for him, he'll have the yeah. video. Uh, and it, it's a really interesting video. So um, I, I'll certainly mention that. For sure. I'll put that on my – Tomorrow morning's watching list. <laughs> YouTube over coffee. That's how I normally do it. Um, and uh, anything else? I, I got one more thing I want to add about the conference before we move on. But anything else you want to add, um, Kyle? Since you were there, or have we? I don't know. I think we covered it. Okay. Um, but but I think yeah, all the people we met. I can't remember everybody's name, but yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. I think what was uh, what was funny one time is when uh, the uh, Wilbur, uh, Brian Brazil, Diami, and myself spent a lot of time together. And I remember <laughs> sitting there uh, one evening at the bar, thinking, "We got, we got me a supply chain guy. We got a computer programmer. We have a professional roofer, and then we have a a pediatric oncologist." And we're all sitting around this table talking about woodworking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what these conferences are all about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fantastic. Um, and you mentioned Brian. I think he deserves a shout out yeah. um, because Brian, when making really, really cool looking hardwood derby cars, it's important to remember the clearance between the <laughs> wheels. What? Did it not fit on the track? It didn't go down the track. No. Okay. Oh, uh, no. It's a couple issues with sizing. Um, so is there is there someone, have you seen a good collective of photos from that event? Um, I just sent my I collective s- of photos to, uh, to Ben. Um, I can share them okay. with you too. <laughs> I hope they're going to uh, produce something. Th- they will be doing something. I don't know exactly what they're doing, but he mentioned that they, w- he was, he was working on something about the mag- about it. So, um, I took a ton of photos. I know that, you know, many people did. Um, so I'm sure something will. Yeah. And I just hope Ben gets all that, um, I guess a lot of instructors said, hey, yeah, we'll uh, give this to Ben and he'll post it up on the website. He goes, oh, yeah, I'll do that. There so was ben, a lot if you're of that. listening, I'm waiting. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well, because I saw, I think, damn, it was you put up a couple, you know, a couple of videos, short videos and, and, and images, you know, just on social media from the event. And it was cool to see. And that's what I'm pulling my memories from. Yeah. I and saw. if you check, um, if you check the. If you check the fine woodworking Instagram account specifically, but also um, Facebook and Twitter, um, I'm, I'm delighted to say that a good number of those posts from fine woodworking were me at the event. 
Um, yeah, there you go. So I actually, some of my better pictures I posted through their Instagram account. Um, and I guess it's, it's an Instagram story, so it's gone. But I had a lot of fun just being stupid on their Instagram account doing a story because uh, Ben was like, well, you know, just do a story about your, your trip here. So um, from leaving the house to hooking up with Wilbur and, uh, and Matt Cummel and driving in and just going through the place on Friday, uh, we had a lot of fun with that. So thanks to Ben for, for letting me do that. Yeah. Um, Good opportunity for you. Yeah. And I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but we talked on this briefly. The cost, we were talking about at the event, it's, it was an expensive event to buy tickets to. But when we considered the fact that all of the meals were included, um, when it was all, all shook out, I think it was actually an appropriate price for what we got. Because mm-hmm. we would have spent, you know, if you had to buy every meal, we would have spent quite a bit of money on food. And you just didn't have to. Once you showed up, they fed you. Um, so for yeah, anyone who's applying really- for next year, if they have the same cost structure, don't be scared off by the price. Um, it ends up being a, a pretty good value. And you got a half-inch chisel in the little goodie bag they gave you. So, oh, you know, no way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. One of those Stanley ones, sweetheart oh. ones. Oh. It's not too bad. Yeah. No, that's not bad at all. It, it you ended just up... need to buy the matching sizes and you get a whole size. Um, what old-fashioned uh, milk paint company was giving away free um, yeah. pint-sized samples of milk. I mean, not just a little bag, but, you know, well, a whole container. Yeah. What they did was they, they gave you a tiny little bag. Like, there was like bag. a gift bag that you got for yeah, being an was, attendee. Yeah. And they gave you a tiny little, excuse me, they gave you a tiny little bag in that. But then if you'd go up to the booth and just talk to them, they would just hand you a bag of milk paint. Um, so I, I came home with a bag of black milk paint. <laughs> um, but I think to sum it up, it was a really good event. Um, if you could only go to one event in a year for this particular year, I would say you should have gone to that event since there is no WIA. Um, if there's a year where they're both running and you can only go to one, I'm not sure which one I would tell you to go to. I think it might actually come down to who's presenting or mm-hmm. which one logistically you can get to. Um, but by all means, it's a very worthwhile event. Um, everybody was great, and it was just it was a fun weekend. Excellent. It wouldn't wouldn't it be great if there were enough events that and and that would produce enough attendees that there would be an option to go spring, summer, and fall every year to one of these shows? What? That would be great, but being selfish, I <laughs> you think go I can all. manage to go. I want to go to all of them, and I think I can manage I to go to two a year. But. Well, yeah. well, what? WIA did that one year when they had the Pasadena show and the Cincinnati show. Well, they did the two, yeah. Yeah, and they were only yeah. like two weeks apart or something. They were they were really yeah. close together. And that I think most people, at least most people I travel with, went to the one in Pasadena, and I ended up going to the one in Cincinnati that year. And it was like it was like a ghost town. Yeah, compared to the year prior. Yeah, absolutely. But that was, I mean, and since they haven't done that, I mean, they went as far as Kansas City, which I, who knows what, what the traveling show is going to, you know, do in the future. But, you know, I've, I, I'm not a flyer personally. I, it, they've yet to put it in a place that I'm willing to go and fly. So I drove to Winston-Salem and I drove, well, I've driven to Cincinnati and then for wood, for weekend with wood, I drove to Des Moines, Iowa. Um, so I'm at my limit at about 10 hours of driving, but, um, 
for those that are traveling for anywhere from the West Coast, I mean, there's I, mean, I know they've got subscribers out there. Yeah. You know, if if they're able to draw those, I mean, Kyle, you come up from Texas. That's yeah, com- commendable that they can draw you in for that. That's but, that's awesome. You know, Kyle, whether forgetting the the attractiveness of a given city in terms of our familiarity and the walkability and mm-hmm. things like that. If we're just talking travel between, you know, Kansas city and, um, in Cincinnati or Winston Salem or Pasadena, does it matter? Is it just, is it just a matter of getting on a plane and you're there or is yeah, one actually more convenient than the other? Um, well, we're going to talk too much inside baseball because then I go back to my airlines and then I go Pasadena or Winston-Salem would be the best choices. But I, that's one thing. I really enjoyed the the one at Winston-Salem just for um, a lot of the stuff that was around there. I don't know. If, I don't think y'all stuck around for the um, Sunday thing when they no, I didn't get to had that, that tour at the um, at Old Salem, at Old Salem. But that was fantastic. Um, yeah, I just so, drove yeah. past that coming back from yeah. break. Um, saw the signs for it, but yeah, um, I that was cool. That was that was a cool downtown yeah. district. And Diami, yeah, I was get to go to that, but it was kind of surprising after you know parking and, and getting in the hotel and everything, and then we started looking for food. And a block away, there was this string of restaurants. I mean, it wasn't one; it was ten of mm-hmm. all these different sorts, and they were all busier than all hell. And then the the barbecue spot we went to down the road wasn't. It wasn't too far. It was a hike, but it wasn't too far. And then that was the year that Steve Ramsey came for the first time, I think, and had his rooftop thing. And even right. that was that far of a walk. It was, it, yeah. That's a that was a cool town. I don't uh, know. Did either of y'all join on Wilbur's trek to a barbecue trek? I did. A yeah, that was the dinners. one. Yeah, <laughs> that was down the road. It yeah. like looked like an old, uh, like a. Nah, not a car shop, but it had that weird roof look. Roof yeah. line looked like a classic. Uh, laundromat or something it was weird it was very it was interesting but you know that was that was good yeah we had a big old table in there i think we walked there didn't we and that was probably maybe three quarters of a mile it wasn't that far yeah that was one place there was one place where i don't know we all piled into about three or four cars and went oh, to no, I, another no. place yeah okay yeah i no, didn't know I, if you I, were i otherwise kept it kept it pretty close i think we got pizza the one night but anyway <laughs> but yeah, I, we may never go back there. That was a great, it was a great time. But um, I mean, any, any kudos to any of them that can then can get enough people to come to make it worthwhile for them to do a show, right. especially at the cost that it is. And it's it's important now knowing the difference between all these shows. You know where you where you find your value in it. Getting three meals and not having to look for whatever you're gonna you know go out to do is actually pretty advantageous. And when mm-hmm. it's built into the, the conference price, that's that's not bad. Yeah, yeah, I'll say that. I mean, I don't know, like, the as I will say ad nauseum, equal to the quality of the seminars and the, and the instructors is the social aspect of all of these events. And um, for some reason, when I'm at a woodworking event, I tend to be relatively outgoing, more so than I am normally. Um, and I've been to, you know, I'm an old man in the community, for good or bad. So um, I know enough people at all the events that I can find my way around and I'm comfortable, uh, which is not true of, of everyone. Um, so personally, there the, the, the social aspect is, 
is easier in some places than others. Um, but stick people together for a weekend and, and have them all talk about woodworking and you're going to have a good time. It's just that simple. Exactly. Right. Oh, you asked for my final thought a few moments ago. Yes. And I, finally, I have a second final thought. Okay. Once again, <laughs> this, this was a conference where there were a number of classes I wish I had time to attend because it, it was that rich. There were, there were some I had to say, boy, I really want to go to that class, but I had to go to this other one. And I, once again, you couldn't attend all the classes that were offered. Right, and that was with yeah. some classes being offered multiple times. Exactly, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the classes were – I heard some people talk about how the classes were not necessarily up their alley in terms of exactly what they were on. Um, but the classes were, were second to none. I mean I took a class on um, period-style banding, which I can't imagine I would ever do. I, I'm not going to say never, but – it's not within the wheelhouse of what I like to do in the shop. But it was wonderfully informative and very well done and just a good class. Um, so I think the you won't be disappointed by what you see there. I'll put it that way. Were the – and I don't want to go too much longer, but I, were the classes – were they in uh, – I've heard the term tracks – where did you find a common theme to the classes that you were attending session by session? Um, you know, and I don't know what that means. I mean, was there like a design track that you could get different design aspects as you go, or was it you know, other technique based tracks, no. or was it really just like you, every every session you had a, a myriad to choose from, and the next session you had a different myriad to choose from? I think if you wanted to, you could have taken two or three classes on design and two or three classes on building and a class or two on finishing and there was there was typically multiple classes within the same theme if not the exact same topic but it wasn't um, it wasn't anything so formal as a track and you absolutely could have just bounced wildly from one thing to another okay. in between um, in between classes like I took there's one day that my first class was Michael Fortune doing chair design and then mm-hmm. the next class was period banding, and I can't think of two, you know, different aspects of woodworking that are further apart, um, but yeah. both wonderful. Yeah, but but yeah, if that's something you had a particular interest in, I I was mainly doing the design classes, and I and I saw all the design classes I wanted to see. There's just some more um, quote technique classes I would wished I could have saw. It's kind of a good thing. It'll make you want to go back the next time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> There's that. There's that. All right. So I think uh, on the whole, Fine Woodworking Live, good event. Definitely go if you can um, to, to you guys the magazine. Thank you for putting on a good show, and uh, please do it again. Um, yes. A couple little more things to wrap up. We are running a touch long, but we don't really have a time limit, so <laughs> for this. Do. Um, the uh, if you go to uh, the Woodworspers site, uh, we all know Mark. Um, I'm sure by the time the show notes post, these this will be gone. And frankly, by the time this show posts four days from when we're recording it, they may all be gone. And if you get the news late, I apologize. But um, Mark is celebrating ten years of the Woodwhisperer. I hope you all got your commemorative stickers or the different things he's done to commemorate ten years because it's a it's an it's fantastic that he's been able to do it for 10 years. But he has um, challenge coins, which 
not being in the military, I think, are kind of ridiculous. Mm. But their challenge coins to commemorate 10 years of the Wood Whisperer and the proceeds are all going to the Woodworkers Fighting Cancer charity, uh, which Mark does. And I think that is absolutely fantastic. So um, he's only selling 90 of them, and I want to say they're like 25 bucks a piece. They're not terribly expensive. 25 so, bucks I'm on the site now. Yeah, so yep. buy them um, because yep. I can't think Good of cause. a better cause to put money towards. Did he change them from last year's? Is this just the 10-year anniversary coin? It's not the specific Did he uh, have a coin last year? It looks like you have the 2016 or the TWW 10-year anniversary to choose from. Actually, the, the anniversary coin is 20, and the Woodworking Fighters Cancer with the castle bookcase okay. on it. Okay, is, yeah. Looks like it may still be available. Okay, yeah. So the 10-year anniversary is a $20 coin, and I'm going to buy one right now. Yeah, I may do that. I don't have the anniversary coin, but I do have the... Woodworker fighting cancer coin. I just I didn't know if he had updated it and has it had a new design for that for this year or not. Yeah, it's weird. It shows the the wording is a little weird, but so I I may be getting two coins. I don't know. Okay, this is limited edition limited edition collectible coins twenty dollars ten year anniversary coin, but it shows a picture of both the castle bookcase one and the ten year. So that means ne- the next conference we're going to have to start throwing down challenge coins. Sure. And I know nothing about that. That's a military thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think if you show up, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not a military person either, but from my best understanding that if you show up at a bar and someone challenges you and you don't have your challenge coin, you have to buy them a drink. I think so. And I think if your coin is the highest, you keep the other coin or something to that effect? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So The only thing near this, I know a guy who right now sells a couple things, and one thing he was selling was... I buy you a drink coins. And so it is, if you find me an event I go to and you produce this coin, I will take the coin from you, but I will buy you a drink and I'm sure I'll lose money, but you, the joke's on you because I get to sell them again. <laughs> you know, so like low supply. The same kind of way. Um, yeah. And I'll just put this out there. We're woodworkers, nothing against the coins, but you find me at a woodworking event, bring out your challenge hardwood derby car and let's drink. <laughs> I think can say let's race. <laughs> um, all right. So now that we've discussed all of those things, let's talk about why Kyle is here. Um, yes. Great guy. I'll talk to Kyle anytime. Um, but we don't typically have a guest on, you know, with one show in between. But while we were at Fine Woodworking Live, correct me if I'm wrong here, Kyle, but I believe yep. you kind of mentioned this. And then I said, yes, you have to do it. Well, we were talking to um, Brian. What was his like Kopeck or something like that? He was a um, he's from Ohio and he was a shop teacher. Yes, he was and, actually uh, in uh, in the in the previous episode, episode one thirty two. He was yeah. one of the two five questions uh, people we went through. Nice guy. Yeah. So we we were just um, you know BSing with him at the bar, and he mentioned about all this new equipment he was buying for his um, his um, classroom. And one of it was a uh, drill press, and he was getting the Powermatic drill press, and and that's a great drill press. And I said, have you seen this new Nova drill press that they came out? Now, I don't know if it's any good or not. The reviews look good. I've never used it, but I mentioned some of the interesting features from it, and he goes, wow, I never knew that was out. So that's when I mentioned to um, the Omni, boy, it sure would be great if someone you know, it could do like a little five-minute 
you know, just update on new products, new announcements, things that are interesting in the community. And that's kind of when he tapped me and said, why don't you do that? (laughs) (laughs) Way to open your big mouth. Exactly. And then I was uh, was more than comfortable uh, shaming Kyle on Twitter afterwards to make sure that he did it. Not not that I don't think he would have without that, but uh, why not give a public Twitter shaming if you can? Exactly, exactly. So, uh, so yeah, I'll put something together. I think we, uh, we'll plan on running at the end of this show. Just some, just uh, stuff that you know I find. I follow a lot of folks. I follow a lot of feeds, um, both from blogs, YouTube, etc. Um, I think uh, I'm a self-professed uh, content whore when it comes to woodworking. So I absorb a lot of this stuff, a lot of news, a lot of new tool announcements, and things of that nature. So I just thought I'd put something you know, together about what I thought was interesting for this past week or so. And, um, you know, that's not to say, you know, I'm looking at stuff that interests me. So I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that interests other people that I don't know about. But um, at least I thought I'd put something out there and also give an opportunity for those that do have uh, uh, other interests to follow up maybe different sites, something that we may not know about to give a chance to also chime in and we can announce those. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that ultimately, this uh, this show is about what we like. Um, mm-hmm. Not that we're against anything else, but the things that yeah. catch our interest or what make it on the show. Um, I don't so, think I did anything related to chairs in mind, but that's probably <laughs> coming. I, absolutely, you should. Uh, so I <laughs> I take no issue with the news being related to what you do, and I'm glad you used the term before I did because. Okay. Um, most people don't take it as a compliment to be called a content whore. <laughs> but um, since, you know, how long have we known each other, Kyle? Seven, eight years? Um, seems no, like forever. We may coming up. We're, I think we're coming up on at least maybe 10 years. Is it? It was the wow, first really? woodworking American yeah. in Cincinnati, and I could not tell you when that was. And I, was I think that was 08 oh. because that was the year after. That, that was the same year my shop went. Under okay, and, yeah, you would um, you had just rebuilt your yeah. joiner planer at that point. Yeah. Was that the same year that you and I met, Diami? Probably. Oh my God, it's been that long. Yeah, we're old. Wow. All right, um, and I met that that had to, that was the WIA that everybody was there. Yeah, that was the first one right. in Cincinnati when it just Vic became the event that it is. And everybody, yeah, I mean, it was huge. But yeah. um, anyway. but no, oh, anyway, so. The thing that I've known about you forever, Kyle, is that you don't post as often as uh, some people do. There's nothing wrong with that, mm-hmm. but that you are – your ears to the ground and you know what's going on. Um, you really do follow everything. Um, so right. I can't think of anyone who would, is in a better position to just do a summary of what's going on because while woodworking is a fantastic evergreen subject, believe it or not, there are advantages that happen all the time. Um, so – uh, I'm really excited to have you do this uh, this thing, and this is going to be a. Um, I think we were talking about this before the show, like an every other week thing, so that when we do a regular episode, we'll try to include this, and we do a five questions. Um, if you have something great, but I think if we just do it every other week, I think we'll stay on yeah, the touch of all. Yeah, the, uh, all I the think things. that's good content wise too. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, the other thing I, I uh, you know, want to mention that. Um, I hope this gets better over time. I'm a little self-conscious about it, but uh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I, th- I think it's it's absolutely fine. I think it sounds incredibly professional, certainly more professional than what we're doing right now. Yes. Just go with it. Don't worry. But I, I would uh, – I hope you're, you're 
you're uh, receptive to any criticisms that our listening audience may have suggestions, maybe not criticisms, but, um, or if you know about something that you want to hear Kyle talk about, I mean, oh, send it in. Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, but no, 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 of course I am. Of course I am. <laughs> yeah. Anything, any suggestions, like I said, I'm, you know, I have a particular niche in woodworking I'm looking at, so I really appreciate stuff. Hey, hey, you might want to mention this, or I saw this new tool, or I saw this announcement. So yeah, that would be absolutely fantastic and yeah any any criticism is as long as it's constructive i i appreciate well perhaps this is something we should have set up before we started recording kyle but um where where can people send those topics that they think are are relevant and uh and new news that's coming out you would put me on the spot on that hold on just a second i didn't i did mention it in um in the little piece i did give my uh, new gmail address and i believe it's um barton.kyle.d at gmail.com but it is in the uh, in the announcement that we uh, put out excellent okay. excellent and that'll be yeah. uh, that'll be at the close of the show will be mm-hmm. uh, Kyle's woodworking news um, so that is fantastic now I think uh, I'm going to wrap this up in just a minute actually we're going to move on to our fortnightly beer choices in just a minute yes sir uh, but before we do that I want to introduce one other thing that's going to be at the end uh, because we're not that sophisticated in an audio sense. And mm. if I were to play this now, while it would be uh, recorded for the wonderful listening audience, my co-host would not hear it. Um, but we got a little bit of feedback from Jeremy Crawford of uh, the Woodshop 101 podcast. Um, it was a few episodes ago. I was talking about the meetup at the woodworking shows in Atlanta. And... Uh, I said something to the effect of I wasn't quite sure why they were making such a big deal about the woodworking shows in Atlanta um, and talking about uh, about the meetup. And uh, it, by all accounts, it seems to have been a great meetup and everybody there had a wonderful time. But I think we were talking about how it seemed to be more of a have a wonderful time meetup than something that was really involved around the show. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy had really good points talking about how the um, how about the show was a worthwhile event in its own right, and that there was lots of synergy between the meetup and the show, and that they both complemented each other and made it very worthwhile. Um, and I agree with all of that, and we will play Jeremy's full comments at the end of the show. Um, I think that from my perspective, the wood the meetups, I think work a little bit better when they're at an event that is a destination event that people travel to. Um, whereas the woodworking shows, I know for people on the West coast, unfortunately they don't go locally, but at least for those of us in the East coast and in some of the middle of the country, they're coming around to you. I was able to go to one in New Jersey. Um, and it's a very worthwhile show if you can just drive to it, but maybe the fact that the venues are different Maybe it varies from region to region in terms of what's there. I have been to the show in Tampa, and it's a very different show in Tampa than it is in New Jersey, though it is technically the same show. The vendors are a little different. Um, so I've not been to the one in Atlanta, and perhaps the one in Atlanta is much different than the one in New Jersey. But at least the one in New Jersey, I would not call it a destination event. And if I couldn't drive there in about an hour and a half, I don't know that I would go. Um, the meetup sounds absolutely fantastic. And if I could have made it down to Atlanta, I certainly would have. But... 
I don't know. Like the my comments was really that the woodworking show wouldn't wasn't enough to travel towards, and I think that it's. I think it's just better if you can put the the meetup at a at a larger destination style event. I guess is what it is. Um, absolutely yeah, nothing with, wrong with it. And it sounds like everyone had a really good time, and that the Atlanta Woodworking Show was a really good show. So um, maybe I'm just missing the the size and scope of the Atlanta show. Uh, so I certainly didn't mean anything disparaging towards it. Um, but for my own take, I, I would just aim it towards a a more of a destination show. Yeah, I I think the I, I think I understand what you're saying, and I, I agree with it. Is the, the woodworking shows is a multi-site tra- kind of traveling show? Yes, different, but but it is in a dozen different cities in a few months' time. Right. Um. I I have the opportunity to go to one a hell of a lot closer than New Jersey and way closer than Atlanta, Georgia. So it's not that you're you're not getting that big of a of a draw because there are other options you're going to, you're going to find the most local show to you. So it doesn't have that same travel ability or, or, or need, you know, that something in new England or Cincinnati or central Iowa, that is one time only, you know? So I, I mean, I understand where you're coming from, Diami, but I, I totally understand. I mean, we're, we didn't intend to put anything down, uh, in that way, but I mean, kudos. I'm, we wish we would have been there. I'm sure it would have been a great time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I guess as I can only go to so many of these things a year, hmm. I guess maybe I'm just speaking from my own perspective where I go to ones that are the destination events um, and not the ones where I can see locally to travel further to. Uh, and I guess for different people, they're going to different events. And I think a lot of the people who went to that didn't go to find woodworking live. Um, so they're just making different decisions. So again, it seems like it was a wonderful time, and I don't mean anything uh, disparaging. It was just a um, – I didn't quite get going to the uh, – what is essentially a, a traveling show. Um, why not do it at a regional event? But as long as people went there and got together and had a good time and talked about woodworking, who cares? It was a good time. Do it again. Mm-hmm. Does that show come close to you all? Um, it comes about two hour, two and two two and a half hours away from me. Yeah, and yeah. for me, like I said, it's it's northern Jersey they come to, and it's about an hour and a half for me. Yeah. So it's they used to swing through time. Texas in my area, but uh, they didn't this year. They mainly keep it. Looks like they kept it up in the northeast and um, southeast. Yeah, for whatever reason, I think they keep it at least to the east side of the Rockies. Um, I don't know that they travel too too far. Years yeah. ago, they used to go to the West Coast, and my understanding was that the travel just killed them. Like um, okay. It, they're all bringing big, massive equipment around, <laughs> and uh, it ended up being a lot of downtime between shows and just a lot of schlepping. And I think that's what um, that's what kind of stopped them from the travel. Because I know a couple of years ago they revamped and they cut the show circuit to like half the size it was, and they've slowly been building it back. But I think they had to cut back to recalibrate everything, and then they're slowly slowly coming back. Um, if you can go, it's a, whether it's Atlanta or not, um, it's a very worthwhile show to go to if you can, um, if you can get there conveniently. But if you're not going there for a, a large meetup, then I don't know that it's worth traveling. Like if it was in the same spot as fine woodworking live, I wouldn't have bothered to go up there because for outside of the meetup, it's a four hour thing. It's not an all day thing. And there's no, the classes while the instructors are really nice guys. I know most of them. Um, it's not the same depth of class and it's just, it's just not the same kind of event. It's, it's a, it's a show rather than a conference and it's just fundamentally a different thing. 
Now, I will say, look, just looking briefly at their website, I mean, they they did have uh, yeah, uh, ten or twelve sites. Um, Atlanta was the last site, though. So mm-hmm. if that's like a bit of a grand hurrah for the the tour, that may be something to draw them. Um, but if Kyle, for you, the closest I think they came to you was Kansas City. Yeah, yeah. St. Louis, you know, and then you're you're into Indiana or Tampa, you know, and I mm-hmm. think those are equally difficult to get to for you. Um, There's an airport. And it, I don't. I didn't hear about it at all, but they canceled a Milwaukee show. I don't know what that's oh, about. Oh wow! It's actually on their little map of their schedule. <laughs> Milwaukee canceled. I wonder. Uh, I don't even know the timing it was supposed to be. Hmm. But anyway, yeah. I mean, that show has gotten better since it's changed in the last few years. Yeah. So I encourage anyone who has an opportunity to go to them, go to them. Um, but yeah, as far as being a, a meetup thing, there's just so many of them. It's hard to say I'm, I'm going to travel to one of them when there's one closer to home. Right. Right. Um, all right. So anyway, uh, Jeremy, thank you for the feedback. We're, as I said, we're going to play it at the end. Um, you guys went there. You had a good time. We're successful. Absolutely do it again doesn't matter where we're really having these things. Just go out and talk to other woodworkers and hang out and have a good time. That's really the bottom Damn line. Straight. Um, That's so right. With that, Sean, I believe yes, you have a fortnightly beer choice. I do. I do. I picked this up today. I actually went to the beer store on the way home from work, and I ran into one of my coworkers who is a home brewer himself, and he knows his stuff. And uh, he had in his hand what I have in my hand right now. You which took was it from something him? That was I know I got I said where where'd you get that from and he said oh it's over in this case they haven't even labeled them yet I said okay let me grab that <laughs> so it just came in um it's um it's by Jackie O's which is uh an Ohio um artisanal brewery is that what the um, O stands for or is it an Onassis brewery <laughs> <laughs> no the O is actually what is it it's a it's a picture of what looks like a barrel I don't know the 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 history or, or origin of them, but they're in Athens, Ohio, lovely Ohio university, Athens, okay. Ohio, um, actually went through that town on my way back from North Carolina and on spring break. And, um, it's really right off campus. So it's kind of interesting. Um, anyway, this, this, they have a, a brew that I actually talked about, I think before called the oil of Aphrodite, which is, uh, a, a stout infused with something. Then they take that in this case and they, they infuse it with cacao, uh, vanilla, oak staves, habanero peppers, and cinnamon. Oh. So you've got a really full-bodied stout. Not too thick, but a pretty full-tasting full stout. So does and it have a bite to it? It has a pepper. Yeah. Not a, it's not a bite and it's not a burn. It's just that, that tingle. Okay. Right in there. <laughs> a tingly deal. <laughs> yeah, and, and I was talking to my coworker, and he said last year um, – they were upset with the habaneros that they weren't spicy enough, whoever their supplier was. It was something. So this is not overwhelmingly spicy, but it is. I mean, every sip you get a little bit of a, on the roof of your mouth, you get a little bit of a tingle. Mm. Yeah. So it's pretty good though. Comes in at 10%. So uh, it's a slow sipper too. 10% you said? Yes. Excellent. Uh Um, Well, I I traveled a little, uh, a little further from home than you did for my choice. (laughs) Um, it is from the Brasserie de Chouf. I'm sure I'm really screwing that up, <laughs> but it's the it's the Mixchouf. Um, 
The brasserie. I think you nailed that one. Yeah, exactly. The the, the brasserie de Chouf is a Belgian brewery. Um, they do a lot of different ales with Chouf in the name. Um, and the Mixchouf is an artisanal Belgian brown ale because you can't have a Belgian brown ale without being without it being artisanal when it comes in mm-hmm. quaint little brown bottles like this. Um, and it is a it is a good brown ale. Um, I am not the hugest fan of brown ales, but it has a subtle, subtle Cezanne flavor. And um, mm. last night I had a uh, an Allagash Cezanne, and Allagash nails the Cezanne. I'm a big fan of Allagash. Uh, and this has a subtle subtle likeness to that, but it's also distinctly a brown ale. So I, I find the, the mix of the two very good. Um, if you like Belgian breweries, these guys really do it well. Um, and it's, it's worth trying. Was it, um, could you tell if it was bottle aged? Um, the, if we're talking about the, uh, the McShoof, mm-hmm. um, in real terms, it is bottle aged cause they put it in a bottle and sail it across the Atlantic ocean. Well, okay. Um, but, but in terms of the flavor, <laughs> I, I, I'm reading the back of it now to tell you, I don't know that I could. Uh, was that a yes. 12 ounce? That no, you it's, it's a little, yeah, I'm sorry. It's an, it's a 33 um, uh, centiliter bottle. Oh, dear it's God. It's 11.2 fluid ounces. Okay. Um, yes, there's a long description about the uh, the local Ardennes water with top fermenting yeast and fine hops and malts. Uh, so, yes, it is it is somewhat bottle conditioned. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't strike me as a, you know, bottle conditioned ales have a certain uh, freshness to them. Yes. That this doesn't necessarily have. Okay. Um, like the to go back to the Allagash Saison, that is a bottle conditioned, and it it tastes it. It's delightful. It's very fresh well, and sweet. This was not quite that ones. way. But the brown ales are typically not that sweet. Like um, La Fin de Monde, when you get mm-hmm. that in Elise of Bomber, that's corked and caged because it's actively fermenting in the bottle. Yeah, but it's La Fin de Monde. Right, it's La Fin de Monde. I don't know. I'm not. They're 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 good, but there's something about it. It doesn't doesn't float my boat. No, I know. It's not. It's not for everybody. Anyway, Kyle, how about you? Um, yeah, I'll stick close to home, too. Actually, across the bay from me, uh, the Galveston Island Brewing Company. They make a, a great beer called the Excelsior IPA. So um, they use uh, Pacific Northwest hops in this thing. So it's a little bit uh, citrusy and flute Texas flavor. Pacific Northwest hops, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, we call that far West Texas, I guess. <laughs> anyway. Um, but, uh, but it's, it's a real good beer. It's, it's, it's not extra, extremely strong IPA. I think it's about, uh, about 6.6% okay. with, uh, bitterness, bitterness units of 47. And if you can't tell I'm reading from their website, <laughs> <laughs> but no, they make a, uh, a lot of great beers, but, uh, that one I'm, a, I'm officially a, a fan of, um, and, uh, it's a great little brewing company. Excellent, excellent. Um, yeah. Before we move off the beer, I, I owe uh, Peter Moore a shout-out. Um, Peter is a woodworker from, I think, Colorado. And if I'm mistaking that, Peter, I apologize. Um, but Peter and I hung out at uh, Woodworking America in Cincinnati last year and talked a lot about beer. And then we were talking at Fine Woodworking Live also. And Peter was nice enough to send me – he's a, he's a delightful beer nerd in that he has a spreadsheet of beers – 
I'm honestly not even sure if these are really good beers or the beers he wants to try, but he sent mm. it to me, and there are some really nice beers on this. And, of course, it's topped with Dogfish Head Bitches Brew, which is one of my absolute <laughs> favorites. So, Peter, mm. thank you for sharing that. Um, and uh, next Woodworking Conference, we're definitely going to sit down again and talk about beer. Well, I definitely have to thank you for that because I, uh, I definitely have drank in my pl- fair share of Doghead uh, since uh, since listening to this podcast. Oh, oh there you go. <laughs> Whatever I can do to help. It's a, it's a delightful <laughs> brand. And I don't know how the releases are down in Texas, but if you can get Bitches Brew, it is phenomenal. I need okay, to look for that. Look I don't for even it. know if I get that. Yeah. I hope I do. Because, well, what did they have? Um, oh, golly, I just picked it up recently. But you said to mix the two and you get oh, something in between. Oh, you get – um, yeah, you can mix the – the best mix I find is the 60-minute and the 90-minute. 90-minute. Now, I, I couldn't remember. I knew it was 6, 9 something. Six, yeah. Nine, nine uh, they actually mm, – right. they make a 75-minute IPA you can buy in their in their larger bottles. Um, mm-hmm. But they add a little bit of, of maple syrup to it and it makes it a little bit sweeter. Um, it's not, It's good. But I prefer the homemade 75-minute where you're literally just taking a bottle of 60 and a bottle of 90 and pouring them together. Um, and it was probably about a year and a half ago, two years ago, we were up in Boston and we went to um, a friend in Boston and they took us to the local Mexican restaurant and they had 60 and 90 on tap and they were able to pour homemade 75s off the tap and oh my gosh, was that good. So uh, I don't know anywhere – other than that one place in Boston that has 60 and 90 and 75, excuse me, 60 and 90 on tap. But if you can find it in a restaurant and you make a, make a 75 minute out of the tap, all the better. But if you just do it in a bottles, it's still really good. I say I can get them in bottles. I might have to try that. Yeah, no, it's, it's excellent. Mm. So that's the beer, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. <clears throat> and uh, that just about wraps it up for this show. Uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe to our show on iTunes or Google Play Music. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. Uh, then you'll never miss any of our exciting episodes and Kyle's new news segments. While, uh, while you're there, please leave us a review. And uh, thank you for listening. I'm going to go off script here. Um, please do. Just check us out, modernwoodworkersassociation.com. Subscribe to us in any podcasting app you like, um, iTunes, Google Play Music. I use Pocket Cast. It doesn't really matter. Just uh, subscribe, enjoy, share woodworking, and if you think we're a bunch of idiots, just let us know. In the meantime, <laughs> use your tools, make the pieces of wood smaller, and have a good time. There you go. And I'm, uh, I'm Sean Wisniewski of The Corner Workshop. I'm at SeanW78 on multiple social medias. I'm Sean Wisniewski on Facebook. Find me Kyle, there. Kyle, when oh. you're not just trolling around the interwebs as a woodworking content whore, where can people mm-hmm. actually see you online? Probably the best place is Instagram, and I'm barton.kyle on Instagram. Do I follow you on Instagram? You I better. I think you better. I know I follow you. I Hold on. You're going to make Kyle cry. Come on, Sean. Right. Kyle. Yeah. Yes, look at that following. Yes, I do. <laughs> like, of course I do. <laughs> All right. Well, um, that nice little nightmare is over. All right. Good. I, uh, I'm Diami Plotke of uh, penultimatewoodshop.com. These days I am posting at modernwoodworkersassociation.com. I am on the Twitter. That is the place to follow me. I'm at Diami Plotke on Twitter. 
I'm also Diami Plotke on the Facebook, and I am Penultimate Woodshop on Instagram. So uh, with that, we thank you for listening, and uh, hopefully you're able to make one of these fine woodworking conferences. And even if it's just the woodworking shows, it doesn't matter. Go anyway. You'll have a good time. Talk to the woodworkers. Enjoy yourself. Learn something. Indeed. So with that, enjoy your time in the shop, and thank you, and goodbye. Thanks, guys. Kyle Barton here with your MWA Woodworking News. First up, the Wood Whisperer, Mark, has just released a video on a durable outdoor finish. This is done on an outdoor table he made a couple of years ago that needed to be refinished since it set out in the hot Arizona sun for a couple of years with just a Danish oil finish. Uh, Mark used an epoxy sealer and then a marine varnish, I believe about five coats, and the table looks absolutely fantastic. Mark's hoping that we'll only have to do maintenance every other year or so. So to check that video out, especially if you have some outdoor projects coming up this summer, uh, check out thewoodwhisperer.com. Shannon Rogers has a new video shop update for April 21st named Track Lights and Nailing Moldings. What really interests me about this video were the new lights for a shop. This includes track lighting and smart bulbs and these uh, unique fixtures that he can simply pop out and move from one track to another. And that works great for him, both woodworking and shooting videos, but it could be very flexible for a lot of shops where you might need to move uh, some lights around to highlight a particular area, especially if you move uh, tools around or for your workbench or something of that nature. And as shown in the uh, start of his video, there is an optional dance club ambience mode where uh, he had the flashing lights on. It was pretty cool. You need to check that out at renaissancewoodworker.com. Bob Brzezowski has a new podcast. If you're not familiar with Bob, he used to host a video podcast a few years ago uh, that was hand-tool-oriented. The new podcast is as well. The format is listener questions up front, and then he moves on to a main topic. What I thought was interesting is he occasionally references some of his old video podcasts, so it gives you a visual resource uh, to go back and look at so you know can understand what he's talking about. So if you'd like to check that out, uh, search in your favorite podcatcher app for Bob Rosowski. That's spelled R-O-Z-A-I-E-S-K-I. Philip Morley has started a new YouTube channel. Uh, Philip is a custom furniture maker in my native state of Texas. Uh, but Philip is originally from England, and he trained under the City Guilds of London there. Uh, his channel is uh, power tool-centric, and he offers a lot of useful tips and uh, master craftsman-level work. So check that out. Um, search at YouTube for Philip Morley Furniture. Morley is M-O-R-L-E-Y. Lost Art Press has a new bio for Peter Follensby. Uh, they've been creating long-form bios of a lot of their content creators called Meet the Author. This latest one features Peter. This bio really gives some detail into Peter's entry into woodworking and a lot of context for the many articles, uh, books, and videos he's made. To check that out, as well as uh, bios on some of the other authors, please visit lostartpress.com. Moving on to tool announcements, and I'm really going to touch the uh, third rail of the woodworking community here with the uh, first announcement from SawStop. So SawStop is introducing four new products. The first one is router tables. So they have a router table that can either fit into a table saw wing 
or be a standalone router table. And it does feature some, uh, looks like under the table dust collection, as well as a four post router lift. The next product they're introducing is a large format sliding table that has a cross cut capacity of 70 inches, which is a lot bigger than what they're currently offering. Another product is the folding outfeed table. Uh, this is similar to uh, some third-party outfeed tables I've seen there, but I bet this one is well-engineered and, uh, of course, will fit that table saw precisely. And the last product that they're introducing is a floating dust collection guard. Now, uh, this is the product I'm most interested in. Uh, full disclosure here, I do own a saw stop table saw. And uh, this is one of the guards. I think there's a couple of manufacturers out there, third parties, and it basically just it's one of those guards that just kind of lifts um, uh, vertically into the air and hangs there so you can, you know, get to the table saw blade and change the blade or whatever and then just lower it back down. And I think that could be a real nice solution in my shop. But to um, see more about these products, uh, no pricing has been announced yet, but uh, you can uh, uh, take a look at them at sawstop.com. Woodpeckers is bringing back two one-time tools for Festool. The first is a domino offset base. This is a fence system that uh, is utilized to make mortises in a variety of material thicknesses. It uh, it uses a uh, stainless uh, steel, I believe it's stainless steel spacers. It really locks the fence system in, so it eliminates uh, fence drift. And the pricing for this starts at $239. The next product is a parallel guide system for the Festool track saw. It attaches to the guide rail and enables you to make accurate and repeatable parallel cuts. And pricing for that starts at $399. The deadline for orders is May 22nd with delivery expected in October. And finally, a tip from the shop. This is where I tell you about a tool or technique that I use that I think you might be interested in. And uh, for this segment, I'd like to introduce you to the Merca sanding block. This is a hand sanding block with a vacuum attachment. Now, in my research, there are some new models out there. I have uh, the previous model, but they're very similar. It's um, basically a very hard uh, plastic sanding block with a, uh, a soft contoured uh, uh, grip. And um, the platen has a lot of holes in it, and it uses hook and loop fasteners with the Abernet pre-cut sanding sheets. And it basically has a little um, uh, hole in the back uh, for a vacuum attachment. Now, Merca also um, sells a, vac a specialized vacuum hose for this system. It's about one inch in diameter, and it's very lightweight, so it really doesn't get in the way when you're hand sanding. And uh, will fit... Uh, most uh, dust extractors and shop vacs. Now, when I was researching this, uh, especially these new products, they're just a little bit larger than the old models. And I did see some um, comments, um, or actually negative comments on Amazon, because they could not find the matching sanding sheets. Um, I was able to go out there and find them on other sites. So I think Amazon's just not carrying these uh, new dimensioned sanding sheets, but they are available at other folks' sites. Um, you know, in my experience with this, it works extremely well, it leaves a nice, smooth, flat surface and radically cuts down on the amount of dust generated when you're hand sanding. While I don't think it'll fully replace this traditional sanding block for some task, it works in most tasks. And, um, 
to give you a little price point on this, at Amazon they have a kit which is called, uh, or the product number is HB-39KIT. And it includes a sanding block as well as the vacuum hose. And it's selling right now for $62.75. So the comment for this segment is based on the uh, folks and sites I follow. But if you have any news or announcements for the MWA community, please send me an email at barton.kyle.d at gmail.com. Hey, Diami. Jeremy from Countryside Workshop and Woodshop 101 Podcast. I figured I'd give you a little bit of kickback about the Atlanta Woodworking Show and why meetups generally are always attached to some kind of woodworking event or trade show. And that's because they're mutually beneficial to the attendee. They get to meet up and have shop talk and make a fool of each other just really enjoy the community, but they also get to attend that event and see the seminars, see the new tools and the latest and greatest that's coming out in the community. You know, it works out for people that don't usually have the opportunity to attend that type of event. You know, this time we had people coming from all over the world to meet up with us. Well, if it wasn't attached to a woodworking show or a trade show, they wouldn't have the opportunity to see all those new tools coming out from those vendors. They wouldn't have the opportunity to attend those seminars. It would just purely be a meet and greet and see what we can get ourselves into. With the Atlanta show and speaking from experience of 